with two little words. What are you talking about? We, what are you talking about? The what are you talking about? We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to We the People podcast. It's your boy Diggs. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, everybody? It's RJ. Hope you guys are having a great day. We got a special guest today, Alex Enton. How you doing, man? Good, good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, what, what's uh, what's your deal? What what's what do you do? Why are you so important? <laughs> well, actually, I'm not really important. No, but, you uh, are. You are. But I think this country is important, and that's amen. I, I uh, I'm involved in locally, and uh, continue to be, and because we need to turn this country around, and uh, I really don't want to leave our kids the type of country that. You know, my family and I escaped from, so. Absolutely. And uh, so where are you coming from? Um, I'm uh, originally from the uh, former Communist Republic of Moldova, which is that little country between Ukraine and Romania. Interesting. And you uh, and you ran for uh, a congressional seat, right? Correct. For the GOP in Pennsylvania? Yes, for the first congressional. Okay, okay. How was that experience? Very interesting, to say the least. Uh, Very interesting. So um, a lot of uh, things that I would have never expected, but uh, I've also was uh, very fortunate to meet a lot of great people. Nice. So and um, so interesting. What what would you say was probably the most interesting thing that you experienced when you got to be in the same room with some bigger name GOP candidates and current congressmen and women? What would you say was your most, I guess, what's, which one, what moment stuck with you the most out of all your experiences that you had? I would, I guess is what I would, is trying, what I'm trying to ask here. Um, I really, um, really what I remember the most is some of the interviews I've done, as well as okay. it was a huge event that was, had a lot of different uh, candidates on there at the North Am, uh, Newtown Racquet Club. Okay. So, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. okay. Yep, I'm familiar yeah. with that. And so there was a big event, and it was really in, it was really amazing. A lot of uh, television camera crews were there. Obviously not for me, but uh, for the yeah. other candidates more so. But it was still a very, very interesting experience in that regard, being on stage, speaking uh, to hundreds of people, and being recorded on cameras. and Get your message out. Is that, so you were able to go on stage along with all the other candidates and – tell everybody exactly what you were trying to bring to congress for pennsylvania yes yes nice very nice gubernatorial candidates there we had the senate candidates lieutenant governor candidates nice so so um for the people that didn't uh know uh i have a we the parents podcast you were on that we talked about the schools and all that stuff um so some of the things you're gonna have to repeat obviously because the people might not have seen that one um, so one of the things I want to touch on is the fact that you didn't get as much support from the GOP as you probably should have because um, possibly the things you were fighting for. Um, so wh- why why do you think that more people didn't jump behind you when it came down to uh, the GOP funding and campaigning situation? Well, I was running against the incumbent, who was mm-hmm. the Republican nominee. And... The process itself, the one thing that I was hoping that would change during my uh, run was the process that the GOP went in getting the 
approval of who they were going to endorse. In reality, what I really did not like is the fact that we were endorsing in the primary to begin with. The whole point of the primary is let the people decide who they want in the general. And exactly. Behind that candidate and you push them along to cross the finish line. And what happened was that did, obviously didn't happen. Uh, the incumbent was automatically basically given the opportunity to be endorsed. Yep. Uh, prevented me from having the opportunity to speak at the forum at the Bucks uh, at the Bucks County GOP forum in voicing my opinion of what I would do differently than the incumbent. And so even though a lot of people were not really supportive of the incumbent, he still passed eventually through to be the endorsed candidate. Unbelievable. And you, and you know what? I was already uh, said this to Alex already, but I I fell victim to that. That was me. I did not. I always thought Fitzpatrick. I had my questions about him, and I always there were some things that I definitely did not agree with at all. And I've confronted. The funny thing is, at Southampton Day Parade, I actually he was giving out candy for to the kids down the parade, and I actually confronted him at the parade. And he was like, "I can't talk about this right now. You're gonna have to come see me in my office." Like. Because I was mad that he signed that gun legislation for the red uh, flag laws and things like that. And that agitated me because I'm pro-constitution. Like, yeah, that's... These, <laughs> these people don't vote uh, the way of the people. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's really frustrating when a concerned citizen runs just for that reason. He's concerned of what's happening in the schools, in, in the, the county, in the state. And you just can get completely dismissed, which is like... Kind of heartbreaking because, you know, you, you want to support the GOP and the Republicans because the, some of the, you know, there's more good talking from their end, I guess you could say, because yeah. they're, they're mostly talking about what's happening in schools and stuff like that. But then when we actually have somebody that's running, that's actually concerned, they don't stand behind them. It's yeah. it's really heartbreaking. It truly is. Yep, I agree. And, and to be honest, Alex is not lying, guys. Like, I barely heard anything about him from the GOP and like you see Mike Fitzpatrick endorsements all over the place you didn't see anything for Alex really like yeah, honestly when I was looking you up um I'm on Getter and uh there's a lot of people talking about you on Getter you had a hashtag and everything there's a lot of people local people that that were pushing you yeah I mean so. I think you you have a better chance coming up if you decide to run again because I think more people now are starting to realize that Fitzpatrick plays a little too much to the left when he claims that he's a centrist. And I think people are looking for people like you that understand what it's like to not have things and to cherish the things that you do have and to be appreciative of the things that you do have. You're not a uh, rich guy going and getting lobbyists and people to wine and dine you type deal. Like a Fitzpatrick who does it all day. I literally have a friend of mine who's a waitress in Doylestown that tells me that he dines there at her place all the time and eats and they spend all kinds of money on food and stuff like that, you know, because they're always being wine and dine. So you don't seem like that kind of guy. I mean, not that that wouldn't happen in the future if you became, you know, more prominent, because obviously people are going to want your endorse to endorse you at that point because they're going to, you know. If you gain more support, which I think you should, based off of what I've heard and things like that, but um, yeah, like Dustin said or Diggs, it's it's 
it's a crime that the GOP likes to suppress the grassroots candidates is what I guess is what it comes down Absolutely. to, you know? So what, what's your opinion on that as far as seeing it from the actual side of the political spectrum, seeing a suppression from a party that you're trying to help? Well, it's what concerned me most is that it wasn't done based on merit. It's yep. you know and not what you know. Exactly. And that's you know the unfortunate part of it. But I also get it. I get it because you don't want to give up control of what you have. And if you get new people to come in, now you don't have that control. Now you're kind of on their backing backing call. Exactly. So it does make sense. I get it. Why it's done, and I'm sure it's done in both parties. It's not just. Yep. A, Republican Party, but oh yeah, yeah. I think that's just an issue in Congress in general, not just a Republican Democrat. I think it's just Congress, no matter which way you cut it. There's always going to be interest involved. I mean, I feel like we all have to be realistic here that you know companies are always going to have an interest in influencing our politicians because they're the ones that make regulations that dictate their businesses. You know, that's just a natural course of. Me personally, I've always said if we wanted to end the corruption in the United States, you the Congress would pass a law banning all lobbyists from talking to politicians. That would end all the corruption because then all the money would stop. And it'd be illegal for politicians to take money from lobbyists who are the biggest issues right now when it comes to the corruption because they're paying off our politicians to look the other way or to favor them when, when it comes to regulations and bills. And it's... It's not right. And that's why they don't want grassroots guys in because he won't take the paycheck. Right. He, he's like, no, I, I want the Constitution. I want what the law says. I want to be fair and equal. Like, and, um, yeah, so I guess, yeah. So what's next on your agenda? And how do you feel about what's happening right now everywhere in our state, all over? What, what's your thoughts on uh, what the left are doing these days and – just everything. Um, for me, that's the problem that I see. And if I can touch back to what RJ was saying, the reason I was also running is I was also looking into that same issue of lobbyists that was concerning to me, where you have, I actually watched a really awesome documentary, if anybody ever gets a chance to watch, it's called The Swamp. It, it has Matt Gates in it and other individuals. Okay. Next nice. Down, how this whole lobbying thing works. And what's interesting about it is that none of the Congress people are allowed to talk about money in the halls of Congress. But in order to get money, what uh, what Republicans do, and so same thing with the Democrats, and that's one of the things that, uh, to your point, that would be nice to change, is that some people might come in with great intentions, but if, for example, you want to sit on any of the committees, it costs anywhere between Forty to eighty thousand dollars per seat, maybe even more. Man. So when you say, "Well, I want to sit on this committee," they say, "Great, do you have the money?" No, no problem. You see that building across the street, the Republican uh, building right there? Go in there, pick up the phone, start calling lobbyists to get yourself money. Mm. Oh man. And that's where we get into these issues where people might be coming in with good intentions, but then they're like, "Well, I need the money," so okay, yeah, they I'll get corrupted. If you help me out. Yep. Right. Right. And that was oh, one of the man. things that I ran on that 
I would not take any corporate money from DC, any lobbyist, special interest groups like that. And that's what we need. To be answering to them because the only people I'll be answering to should be the people who voted me in. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the right mindset. Uh, it's really sad. Yeah. It's really sad. Now, I'm sure you saw Doug Mastriano also face the same issue that you were having, obviously on a larger scale race. I mean, not that congressman wouldn't be a big title, but governor of a state is pretty high up in the ranking of the political spectrum. And I found it funny. Well, we both found it very funny, sad and interesting that the GOP was practically ignoring Mastriano up until Trump was like, that's my guy. You know, as soon as Trump gave the endorsement, they were all in. But before that, they were trying to avoid him like crazy. And his track record is impeccable. Like, Mastriano is – I'm hoping once he gets in the governor, that will be where you can ride the coattails of his um, ascension to governor and people will start looking into you because realizing that you both have very similar – goals when it comes to government policies and how things should be run you both are constitutionalists you both believe in you know free will and just how we this country was founded on and that's what we need more of in this country you know we need more people that are willing to stick to the principles that we were founded on and follow the rule of law you know if people want to make change in this country there is a process for that you know and if you can't convince enough of the population to go with your what you want, oh well, yeah. you know we deal with it all the time. Right. Roe versus Wade. How many years the conservatives had to put up with that because they couldn't get the proper push to overturn it? And now that it happened, look what happened. Yeah. You know, and yeah. definitely gonna open doors for sure. That's yeah, I, I'm hoping, and I and Alex, if the next time you run, I'm definitely gonna be voting for you because I. Honestly, I've been very disappointed with Fitzpatrick, extremely disappointed. I'm not happy with his backing of the, um, un, how can you say this, just loading up the Mack trucks full of money to Ukraine. I'm not happy about that. You know, he, not, not that Ukraine didn't need help. I understand the citizens of Ukraine needing assistance in those types of you don't have to go in and, and support that. I'm I'm on your yeah. side with that. I mean, well, the, have... but the citizens of Ukraine still are the collateral damage in all right. this, you know, and that's where I'm okay with sending money to help them to try to get out of that state of being no, collateral I, I, damage. Honestly, I think that we should but, take care of our own border, protect our own people. Oh and no. Then, okay. No, like the, right fir now, the first amount of money we sent there, I was okay with. And then once they started sending more yeah. and they started sending more, that's when I was like, whoa, like, what is going on? Well, we already knew what was going on, but. I think Zelensky is a plant, to be honest yeah. with you. Well, I think he's a blank. That's a whole different story. To, that's a, <laughs> that could be for a whole I mean, other I mean, episode. I'm just being honest. I, yeah. I think he's a plant. I, I, I mean, he, he's shutting down news stations that are talking about him and, and 
he's just as corrupt as anybody else. I mean, well, I mean, Ukraine is known to be a very corrupt government. They're, absolutely. I think they're ranked top five in the world, I believe, for corrupt governments, if I'm not mistaken. I just, I mean, I just, it's just, it really bothers me that we can just dismiss what's happening on the border states, not even just the border states at this point, because they're flying these immigrants all over the country. You have some in PA. Right. I mean, these people are, are, we don't know who they are. They're, they're raping, they're murdering, they're, they're, you know, it's like, and we're sending money somewhere else while our border is still wide open. I, I just I think it's disgusting that the crime rate has gone up and they're still voting uh, in ways that don't make anything better. Uh, and somehow the Democrats still have a stronghold on the black community, which is disgusting. I, I mean, well, it's Philly, shifting. Philly's a disaster. Yeah. And, and the, the crime has is reaching our areas. It, it's, well. I'm seeing more and more crime in, around clo- closer to me now than I ever have. It, it's, it's spreading and, and we're not doing nothing about it. It makes me yeah. sick. And schools, we already yeah. talked about that. That is, it, they're, they're trying to ruin this generation of children. They're, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the end goal is, but you know, with Bill Gates and buying a farmland and China buying a farmland, we have so many problems here. Like, yeah, I know. To keep worrying about Ukraine is, yeah. it's becoming a little absurd at this point. Like, I get it for the citizens, but then and again, yeah. the, the Russian citizens are getting treated like shit now. You yeah. Know what I mean, we're looking at them like they're all bad, and they're not. Yeah. I don't. Know. So. And go back to, do we actually, can we even prove that most or at least half of that money actually went to where it was supposed to? Right. No, we can't nope. prove anything. Nope. And we know, we already know it was going to, If prior episodes, we discussed it very much that it's almost a guarantee that money was being laundered, you know, you know, through corporations, shell companies, things of that nature. There's no way Ukraine needs that much money to fight a war. How can I put this? We sent them so many supplies to fight that war. What was the money for? That was my... Well, I already know one of the payouts was to actually pay down their debt because they were about to default on their national debt. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. So out of the three or four payments we have sent, I know one of them was just to pay down their debt. It wasn't even used to help defend against Russia. So there's that. And then but, the other one was paid to mm-hmm. pay salaries of future uh, candidates who are going to be in office. <laughs> so, so, okay, so half right. the money wasn't right. even used for the war then, possibly, and more then, than likely. As soon as the war started, the Clinton Foundation opened its doors back up. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. Yep. Yep. That was my first red flag of money laundering. That was the first red flag. The, and the fact that Soros started dealing heavy again in Ukraine when that all that popped off. And speaking of which, that Dustin was talking about how Philadelphia has turned into a war zone. Mm-hmm. It's no coincidence that the AG of Philadelphia now is a George Soros-funded oh, yeah, yeah. AG. Like, that's why crime is out of control, because they're not doing anything. Yeah. I mean, the DA, sorry, not the AGs for the state, yeah, the DA, Krasner. Yeah. He, his campaign was funded by George Soros. Yeah. So yeah. that explains why Philadelphia has turned into Chicago in like a year. Yeah, and then Fetterman's going to release more people from jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I mean, on t- what are we doing? It makes me <laughs> sick. It really does. Like for, the, for the people that live in these communities. Yeah. So, Alex, um, real quick, what's your opinion, since you're from that region, of ukraine or like in that area when did you come over to the united states uh in 1990 
Oh, so you've been here for a while. Okay, so yeah, perfect. All right, so yeah, so given that you you were from that region, like you grew up and you got to see what life is like over there. Uh, what like when you saw everything happening at first, what was your first initial reaction to it? As far as when like Putin invaded finally like Crimea and um, well not Crimea um, what's the two regions Dosansk uh, and Lohansk when he invaded that what was your first initial being from there knowing what it's like to be from that part of the world? It's very it was very unfortunate and I was very saddened because I knew that the people the citizens are the ones who are going to be really you know suffering. My wife is actually. Yeah. Ukraine. Uh, okay. He with her immigrated here around the same time that I did. Um, okay. So we're in the same boat where we feel bad for the citizens, but you know the problem is is that as you mentioned before, we really don't know what is going on in those two countries because that's not our part of our region, right? Right. And yeah. so it's a little unnerving that there is tensions, but we don't know what really transpired there to begin with, because you have the one side saying there's things going on, the other side saying there's things going on. So there's the one story, the second story, and then the truth somewhere in the middle, right? Yep, right. exactly. So that's the problem. And when you have so much corruption, so much stuff happening in that region, it's hard to really understand what is really transpiring and why. I agree. And that That's, you know... It's to the point where, you know, you hear, you under, for example, standing out from, as a citizen of U.S., I see what's going on. Hey, NATO is trying to push into Ukraine, encroaching on, on Russia's borders. I get right. it. Same yep. time, you hear at the testimony, congressional testimony, Victoria Nuland saying, well, we have 50-some labs in Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yes, she did. Yep. And, and then and then she's and then Mark Rubio trying to protect her in the middle of it says, but obviously nothing would happen if something did happen chemically, it would be because of Russia, not Ukraine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep, so, yeah trying to cover up. Yep, exactly. Listen, we, we don't know what's going on there. We don't know what role United States is actually playing with their, you know, central intelligence and so forth, you know, in there. But it's it's concerning that this is happening, you know, and obviously the amount of money we've spent already into that region. And again, going no. back to the same thing about, you know, um, NATO and everything, can everybody pay their share? Like how <laughs> about the countries who are part of that region? Yeah. Germany. Money? Yeah. Germany. What are you doing? <laughs> but, but listen, the problem is they all want that free cheap, well, not free, but cheap oil and natural gas from Russia. Yeah, so they well. can't really open their mouths too much because, look, they tried a little bit and Russia just said, oh, by the way, we're indefinitely suspending natural gas coming in to you yep. guys. So yep. now they're now they're trying to tell now they're telling people, by the way, FYI, between these and these hours, you can't use the heat or you can't have the lights on and, yep. so, forth and so on. And we're talking about industrialized countries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not little. Not little Greta, rinky think countries. Greta, what, what's her name? Greta. Greta, Greta Thunberg. Yeah. Thunberg. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I know yeah, her parents yeah. are proud. Really, really <laughs> yeah. It's like a TV show. Oh, going on right man. Now. It doesn't seem real. I mean, yeah. it's just insane. And 
And to the point that you brought up, uh, Alex, about the biolabs, I also found it interesting that Obama was the one that started that program in Ukraine while he was a senator before he became president, if you were not aware of that. Yeah. So I we also found that very interesting. Him and another senator. Um, I'm not, I don't have the other senator's name off the top of my head, but it was him and another one before he was even president went over and set up a weapons, uh, bioweapons program to help. Uh, they, they were claiming they were trying to help keep it safe or help destroy the bioweapons. That was the intention of the program. But clearly, that's not what was going on. <laughs> like, so I thought I didn't I wasn't sure if you knew that about the obama if you go on our facebook i'm sure you can type it in on our page and it'll come up we've we put up stuff showing um obama's involved with that as well so it's just funny how the same players are involved in all these crazy scandals mm -hmm. if you ask me yep so um i guess with that being said we're talking about money being sent to other countries like an oprah winfrey episode um What's your opinion? Well, I guess what's your perspective on the runaway inflation that we're experiencing in the country right now? Well, it's unnecessary. Let's put it that way. If we, if Biden would have just sat in his basement for this whole time, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, yeah, like he did it during his campaign. Yeah, uh, we would have been doing really well, and so. And that's what's so concerning to me that I think, Dustin, we had this conversation the last time we spoke, is that it's not that at this point, it's not that they're not sure what they're doing, they're messing up. I think it's all done by design. Yep. It's all done You're... to destroy everything. Think about yep. it this way. Two years ago, would you have ever thought that every single car company would announce plans that they're going to go all electric within the next, uh, within a decade? Sounds crazy. Two years ago, no. But no. knowing what I know now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're all announcing it. If you go anywhere, oh, you know, Chrysler plans to do all electric. Ford is going pretty much all electric. Everybody's yep. going all electric or because that's the, the new norm. Yep. And, Green New Deal. Right. They're World Economic Forum. People's throats. Yep. They're literally forcing it down people's throats. Nobody yep. really wants electric. So now, because you can't afford gas, you're going to spend sixty, seventy thousand dollars for an all electric vehicle. Yep. That's, that's if that's if you can get approved for a loan for. Right. <laughs> right. Some people are so much debt, and the way the banks are right now, nobody's giving out loans without ridiculous interest. But even then, yeah, and, like, and the way that these people talk about this, like, oh, just get an electric car. I got an electric car. <laughs> Yeah, they talk about it like it's a scooter that you can. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're not talking to majority of the country when you say these things. They just don't care. It's insane. That's how you know they're in echo chamber. You see, you know, you're living that bubble. The echo chamber. Yep. Has that kind of money that you do. Yep. That's why they live in their little echo chamber, and they don't know, and they they think everybody's doing as well as they are. That's what they think. You know. But that's what happens when you don't go out into the real world. You're living in the bubble, like Alex is saying. So here's a little fun fact that I like to share with most people. I said it before in the episode, but I'll 
I'll share this with you as well because I'm sure you'll like this little fun fact in regards to the inflation. So you're aware of when the Federal Reserve was created, correct? What year? Yes, 1913, the Federal Reserve was created. That is when the first dollar, the Federal Reserve note was created. So from 2000, or from 1913 to 2008, that is a span of 95 years, okay? From that span, the U.S. as a nation amassed a $10 trillion debt, okay? From 2008 to 2022, which is a 14-year span, We've amassed a $21 trillion debt. That is double the amount of debt that we accrued in 95 years. So in 14 years, we printed 190 years worth of debt. That is why we have runaway inflation. Well, that inflation, obviously, you got to take into account how many trillions of dollars was spent for in 2008 during the Great Recession. Yep. How much, you know, how many trillions were spent during, uh, because of COVID Yep. and still being spent now pushing into the Green New Deal agenda items. And then we're shipping all our manufacturing and jobs overseas to China. Yep. So there's no jobs. We're taking on more debt. We're spending more money and all these things that happened that, I mean, think about it in 2008, when there was the great recession happened, how many banks got bailed out? So the elites, the elites, the ones who were responsible for this were the ones who got yep. bailed out by us, the middle class working people. Yep, exactly. Well, our kids got bailed them out. But yes, I get what you're saying. Like you yeah. said, our grandkids will be paying for this debt. Yep. Well, at this point, we have so we have increased the debt so rapidly. I don't. I think your initial. um assessment was correct that i don't they're doing it intentionally and i think they're trying to destroy the system because they realize that there's no way to fix it it's it's gotten to the critical mass point that it's just going to collapse on itself so now they don't care and i feel like that's why they're just willing to print um, any amount of money because they know the end is near anyway so why not just it's like it's like you know the train's going off the cliff but you're like f it like there's nothing I can do to stop him, so let's just go faster and get to our demise quicker. Like that's that's the only explanation I can see for printing that vast amount of money in that short period of time. There's no other way I can explain to you can't go how can you spend 190 years worth of debt in 14 years? Like I don't see how I honestly like to just try to fathom that blows my mind. Like we spend so pretty much almost every year we spent about 12 years worth of debt is what it comes down to that's insane and that's not including the fact that every year our debt just rises by a by what a billion dollars trillion dollars of debt oh it depends on whatever the congress asked for to keep things going it changes depending on what the cost is to operate the government that's why every year they have to readdress it and come up with a number because there is no because Congress doesn't know what the the word budget doesn't exist in the dictionary for Congress. <laughs> They're like budget. They're, what's that? <laughs> but I, RJ, I do want to mention one thing about the yeah. deficit, though, as, yes. in terms of that runaway train. So yep. when Trump was president, I think he started to pay down the debt a little bit. And I really don't think they're doing it. And then when obviously 
since then there's been increasing the debt even more. Yeah. But I don't think it's done because they're like, well, it's a runaway train, let's do it. I think they're trying to destroy it because they need the one world government. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're trying to bring now, we've been talking about this for a while, it's already in the process. They're trying to bring the central bank digital currencies into play. Yeah. And I'm, I'm an advocate for crypto. I'm a hardcore crypto guy. Dustin will tell you that. I'm strong. <laughs> I'm, I love my crypto. I, I've been in it for years. I am strongly against central bank digital currencies. I don't agree with them. Not even a fraction of There is not one atom in my body that agrees with a central bank digital currency. And we're seeing the push now. You're seeing the mainstream media talk about it more. You're seeing um, Biden pass executive orders to push to get this push through more. The Federal Reserve is already looking into it and have had hard, heavy discussions about it. And they actually brought it up in their last quarterly meeting about the central bank digital currencies. And they said they weren't currently looking to implement it at that time. But, you know, the Fed can change anything at any moment. So. They're already discussing it. I've already told everybody it's coming. It's we need our Congress. Congress is the only thing that can stop it. I'm just gonna put it that way. Congress is the the end all be all of what passes in this country. So the central banks can kick and holler and scream all they want that they want a CBDC, but if Congress says no, they're just gonna be kicking and hollering and screaming, and that's about it. So that's why we need guys like Alex in Congress who know these kinds of things and see that the central bankers are actually one of the biggest enemies to the world, not just the United States, to the entire planet, that then we, our forefathers built Congress to be the last line. And that is why it's important to have people like Alex run for Congress, because that is the stopgap to the corruption, to the evil in this world that want to just think that they own everything and that we're just people playing in their world you know and so that's my opinion on it i mean i don't know what your take is alex on everything i just said there but yeah well i was gonna bring up the whole crypto with you rj Um, yeah go ahead i think that i think here's where i'm seeing a little bit of a difference to what you're seeing so i think the crypto itself was an amazing amazing technology yes blockchain yes the problem with crypto is okay if you want to go today and just use crypto as a regular person you have to jump through hoops and ladders just to get into crypto and create accounts do this do that especially if you want to change it in between different coins no i think like for example, some some uh, exchanges have certain coins, the other exchanges have different coins, and you yes. have to go between if you want to transfer to Bitcoin, then transfer it to something else to get to. And so I think the problem with crypto, at least me, I'm like I feel like an old man already at this point, so I kind of no, that's fine. Well, I'm gonna, I'm glad we're having this conversation because you what you're saying is a normal perception. Of what people have in crypto. So I want you to keep going on what you're saying. And then I'm going to tell you what I know in regards to what you're saying and maybe quell some of those things that you think is. But go ahead, I'll continue. Yeah. And so as a normal, everyday person who wants to possibly use crypto, yeah, 
you get lost. Like, for example, there was somebody who was offering a coin. They're like, okay, let me figure out how to get it. And I'm like, okay, I have to buy into this Kirk exchange, then I have to change it to that exchange, I have to buy that. And then I'm like, you know, forget yeah. it, I'm done. Like, you lost me as a low at that point, right? And so yeah, I got that, you. that's, I think, part of the issue with crypto, that it's so difficult to access it, nor do you really, like, for example, you have a dollar, you have something in your hand, right? You have a, you have a silver coin, you know, bullion, you have something in your hand. Crypto yeah. is still so abstract to people, and again, as the generations get older, the baby boomers, if it's hard for me like to figure out the specifics, I, yeah. and again, this is only my personal opinion, I have a feeling that they might have the same issue like, how do I transfer it? How do I obtain it? Do you buy yeah. the secret uh, wallet, the digital wallet? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I got point, you. I think that's, that's where my concern is with why crypto really hasn't taken off as well as it should have. I got you. And you're, if this was like five years ago, everything you say is absolutely spot on. Now, where we have come from there till now is dramatically changed as far as user um, accessibility, usability, how easy it is to use. I literally, I have three apps on my phone and that does all my crypto. And it secures my crypto and I actually have a visa card that's attached to my crypto so I can buy things with my crypto. So here's my one thing real quick. I'm going to jump in real quick. Go ahead. See, I, but what if, I mean, you can have all, it, it can, you know, keep on moving up, whatever the case is. But I mean, yeah, every company and everybody can just say, we're not, we're not going to accept it. Right. I mean, can't can that happen? And then what, you could have a whole lot of money in, in Bitcoin and all, but if they're like, hey, you know, we don't we don't accept the coin. We're all yeah. of us are done accepting Bitcoin because we want the central bank coin. Can't they do that? They could. But the Bitcoin is the answer to the CBDC. So let's well, say people go along. With the but let's let's say let's entertain the idea that Congress goes along with the central bankers and they pass the central bank digital currency. Right. Mm -hmm. What happens? You're now forced to use that yeah. central. Yeah. So now let's say in the future, like I said, they're going to do the boiled frog approach. They're not going to cut people's access off right away. They're going right, to wait. Right, right. So let's say in five years, there's an election coming along and the Democrats are in power and they want to start censoring what you can buy because yeah, right. Dustin and RJ and Alex did an interview oh, on Rumble five years ago, bad mouthing the Democrats. Because they were actually doing things that were bad. Actually, I guess that's not bad mouthing. That's just telling the truth. But <laughs> yeah. So if they don't like that and say RJ wants to go purchase a pistol or a rifle at a gun store, all I have is the central bank digital currency. Well, guess who can't go to the gun store and spend his money now? Even if you did, they're gonna track the hell out of it. I could have a million. I could have a million dollars sitting in my account, and the central bank can go. Yeah, go ahead. Go buy a gun. Watch. It's going to go denied. Denied. I could have a million dollars in there and it'll go denied. Denied because the central bank is like, your thoughts are dangerous. What's to stop that from happening? So Bitcoin, what that does is it takes the power from the central bankers because Bitcoin, they can't control it. They have no way to control it. So if the gun store owner is like, well, I accept Bitcoin and central bank. Right, we just gotta have people he can Bitcoin. pull out his phone. He has a personal wallet that the government can get no access to. I send the Bitcoin straight to his wallet, not a third party. And it goes right to his wallet. 
All right, so how do you feel about what he's just saying? Uh, well, I think that, again, I believe that whole scenario being an issue where have the situation where they could just shut you off. Right. But right now, for example, with Bitcoin fluctuating from being at 5000 to 60000 to a dollar, how do you value what it's worth and when is it going to stabilize enough that if I put $100, I'm getting a certain number of percentage of that Bitcoin. Okay, so my response to that would be all assets fluctuate. Yes, Bitcoin is extremely volatile right now, but that's because we're in the infancy stage of adoption. Once mass adoption is taken on with Bitcoin, that is where you'll start seeing more of a plateau effect with the price movement. So you got to remember the price movement is indicative of what the dollar is doing. Because Bitcoin essentially is is digital gold. Like literally think of it as digital gold in regards to if you were to put one ounce of gold in the ground right now, 20 years from now, you dig it up, it's still one ounce of gold. And the dollar probably devalued crazy. So your one ounce yeah. of gold probably shot up crazy in value because the dollar devalued because the government just kept printing money. That's the difference between Bitcoin and a central bank digital currency central bank digital currency, the amount that there ever is going to be is unlimited. There is no limit. But Bitcoin is only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins. You can't, they can't make anymore. That, and the last Bitcoin will not be mined until 2140, the year 2140. That is when the last Bitcoin will be finished being mined. Yeah, so see, uh, that, that, this is out of my range. Here. Yeah, no, this is probably all new information to you guys. But I'm glad that Alex brought that up because these are important. These are talking points that a lot of people who are trying to learn about Bitcoin, right. these are the things that they want to know about because those are genuine concerns. Those are yeah. genuine things that you have to worry about in those kinds of regards. So, yeah, like is Bitcoin a strong investment tool right now? If you can hold and wait and ride the volatility out, yeah, it's a great investment. But if you're looking for like a quick buck, crypto is not where you want to be like right. that's not how crypto works and there's so many other facets of crypto that i can get into right now that i'm not going to get into yeah. but like it's like alex said earlier the technology itself is just out of this world like yeah. blockchain technology itself is literally going to revolutionize every single industry on the planet from housing to medical to banking to your daily processes in your house bro like it's to your privacy that's going to be another that's another beauty about blockchain in the future as these governments start trying to implement more invasive or intrusive um things into your homes blockchain can actually be the solution to securing your data so no one can access your data whenever they want like an amazon and a google don't need your permission you know yeah. so th these are just facets of blockchain that i these are just some pluses. Like I said, Alex brings up very valid points for certain people. You know, my mother, for example, I try to get her to get into crypto. She she doesn't want to. She's like, I'm not comfortable. Like Alex said, the, they just they don't feel comfortable because they're so used to the checkbook and just using right, the bank right. card or just paying cash, just flat out cash, you know. But as the the younger generation like me, our age starts to get older, we're used to using technology 
Yeah. You know, all this stuff is secondhand nature to us now. So, like crypto to me, I could do it in my sleep, bro. It's scary. There's too much technology, yeah. man. I just feel like they just, they yeah. just control us even easier the more technology yeah. comes out. You know, I miss the days where like you had to have a phone with a cord attached. <laughs> you know, Dial up. And, and, and the rotary. The rotary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The days we had to go out and find your friends. It's, it's really yeah. crazy right now. It's really crazy because like my kids are on. You know, I. I don't want to take anything from my kids, but they're on TikTok. No, especially my daughter. But like, you know, like China, anything from TikTok. And and regardless, of, like, like we're so ignorant that we enjoy that so much, even knowing that for a fact, yep. we still use it. I mean, yep. I personally don't, but I don't. I don't allow. I don't allow my there's kids so to use many, it either. But there's so many things that, that that spy on us daily. Like right now, I mean, just just some of the words yep. that we said, it could be tracking me on my phone right now. Just because I said one of those words that they look out for, you yeah. know what I mean? My my camera could turn on when I'm talking about certain things. They can. It, it's really scary. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. I mean, like I, for instance, gays against groomers. They're, they're, <laughs> that they're fighting back against uh, what's happening in schools. You heard about them? Yeah. It's, it's a group of gay people, gay and lesbian, and they're fighting. It's called gays against groomers. They're fighting uh, all this stuff. Yeah, the indoctrination of children. And they're, they're gay people, right? So you yeah. think they would go along with them. They Oh, they're gay people. we got to listen to them. Nope. Google just shut down their email account. Yep. Venmo Pay- and PayPal just shut down their accounts. Yep. Because they're going against the narrative. Yeah, these are, these are gay people fighting against gay pedophiles. People. They're gay people. I thought we were supposed to. Everything yeah. Everything is it's not, around them right now. But, bro, no, listen. They're gay people mm-hmm. that are fighting against pedophiles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the big companies are shutting yeah, them shutting down. They, they Not the pedophiles, down. the people fighting the pedophiles. See, that's scary. <laughs> like, like what? Him, I met him, I, I only use Google for email. And he's like, dude, you got to use Proton or something. You know what I mean? Because I never thought that they would be able to shut you down because of your beliefs. It's insane. Yeah. Yep. I, I don't trust any of these people anymore. Yep. Yep. And thank God we have people building parallel economies with Rumble yeah. and um, Getter have and you True had any Social. With like social or anything? Are you on social media at all? I'll be honest. Up until my campaign, I've never been on Facebook. Ooh. I didn't even know how to spell it properly. <laughs> no, <skip> it. <laughs> I, really, I really was never on Facebook. Uh, because okay. of the campaign that started getting involved, I'm, Facebook, I'm still very minimal on. Like I'll follow a couple people or listen to a couple things, but I really got to get into this more social media thing. I was trying to stay yeah. away from it as much as possible because I knew if I get into the social media, it's going to take up a majority of my day because I'll be sitting on my phone just reading all the stuff that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, to be honest with you, Alex, I think it would have helped you a lot getting your name out. It would if have, you would like, have. Because like I said, I yeah. you, know you know what Getter is? Yes. Yeah, so like I said, like when I looked up your name, I saw that you didn't have a page. But when I when I did the hashtag Alex Anton, a whole bunch of things came up from people from PA that were talking about you. So like if you see, like if you were there, it, that that's a, a a really good tool, especially yeah. for like-minded people. Yeah, recommend it, man. I, especially like I said, if you are you planning to run again, or what is what is your game plan from here? Or you're not sure yet. I'm not 100% sure. Um, still evaluating all the things. I know, you know, I don't want to sit idly by and just let things happen. But <clears throat> at the same time, I'll be honest, I did figure out that after this run, obviously, that unless I'm coming in with substantial amount of money to be able to run, especially for a position like this, yeah. there's no point of doing it. 
um, because you can't combat all that overwhelming um, advertising that comes from the other side. And so, especially when you don't have the backing of your own party and the party's backing the other candidate, then, I mean, the couple of dollars in donations that you would get is just not enough to get all the signs, the advertising, all the things that you need in order to run an effective campaign. And so okay. that's where I struggled significantly. And going forward, again, for such a big position, you really need to come with substantial funding. I got you. I mean, you're, I understand where you're coming from, and it sucks that that's how the, the game is being played, you know, but... Yeah, but you know what? Wait, I, if we think like that, then we'll never get people like you in. Yeah. I mean, because people like you are just, con- you're a concerned citizen. It's rare that you have some millionaire that, that's so concerned that he's going to want to fight for the state or the country because yeah, he's true. fine. Exactly. So the people that are concerned are though just the, the middle class people. So I don't know, man. I mean, I, I wish we would have been talking a while ago, man, because I, I, we could put together a rally. I know a lot of people at Warman Star. I know a lot of people out here now. He knows people. Yeah. We could have anything. I, I mean, we can't. We definitely can't give up for sure. You cannot yeah. give up, dude. Because if you do that, they're always going to be in power. Yep. I I think the grassroots movement is going to get strong come after these midterms, and I think that's Absolutely. that's where I think you could have your best chance if you decided to take it again. I think these midterms is going to be a wake up call to the nation. I, I pray to God because if. If it's not, we're we're definitely headed for some very yeah. dark times, and I am not don't want to see my family go through that. Not, not one iota. So, I I don't know what to say at this point, but th- this this election coming up is this is the most important. Yeah, I I don't think it's crazy to say that because we had the Hillary and Trump um, election, but. I don't think so many people were affected at that point. Yeah. It started. Yeah. Like, but everybody's feeling it right now. Yeah. I mean, the crime no, this is a more critical, um, like I said, this is a bigger inflection point on the nation. This is affecting everybody. Like, yeah. like I said a, a couple years ago, I wasn't into politics at all. Once they started yeah. messing with my kids, I'm like, hold on. That's, this is where I draw the line. Like, yeah. now I got to do something about this because I didn't care. I didn't get like honestly, Trump. I thought it was a joke he was running. I literally thought he was yeah. joking. When he first you came know, out, I, 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 I had the same impression. Joking. Yeah. And then and then I didn't I didn't vote for him. I wasn't even registered at the time. But then, man, just seeing everything that's going on, I'm like, no way. There's no. I, I'm scared for my kids every time they leave the house. Yeah. So. It's tough, man. Yeah. But uh, is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right in the sense that uh, this is a very very uh, serious election time with these elections. And if we don't get the right people in, listen, we're already on the teetering on the hill and going in the wrong direction. And it will take years to get everything that's already happened. Yes. But if we allow that to continue, then I don't think we can even bring that back at that point. That's that's what right. scares me. That's why I said it's right. very dark days ahead if we don't get right. this election right. I mean, think about how many people, especially younger people, want this whole socialist thing. Oh, my God. He knows personally <sighs> Dude. people in his family, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mentioned this in the yeah. parents. Uh, I, I mean. 
So it, and it, you, probably, like, you, you know, you're like, what is wrong with you people? You know, like, <laughs> That's the problem. They don't know. They think, oh, free stuff. This is great. Right. But, Listen, yeah. I'll take free stuff too. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But I know that, as they say, there's no free lunches. That. Right. I, that's the one thing that I don't understand with socialism, like people that believe in socialism. Where are you getting the? Fr- Let's just say for an example, right? They need, they want some sneakers. They need sneakers, right? And they feel like I'm socialist. I deserve free sneakers. Yeah. Who's making the sneakers for free? Right. You can go to the back and go make your own sneakers for free. Hey, wait, no, wait. You can't even do that unless you go hunt the 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 cow down then you you skin them hang out the skin make your own leather just to make your own you're not doing any of that that's why you pay other people to do it so what they're wanting to do is they want to take the money from people who are making money who are working (laughs) yeah to get those sneakers but that's what i'm saying so then you're taxing the worker to death so the workers be like well why would i keep making shoes so then when the socialists want shoes, they go, well, how come I can't get shoes? It's because the shoemaker said, F you, I'm not working for free. <laughs> right. They want so. everything under government control. And listen, I remember living under communist regime and they would make shoes, for example, right? Okay. They don't know how many shoes to make because there was no supply and demand. And figuring <laughs> out, right? So they would make 5,000 pairs of shoes and only 2,000 pairs were bought. Oh, my god! What would you do with the rest of the shoes? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, well, whatever. We have extra shoes. It is what it is. It's Because uh, there's, you know. yeah, like you said, there's no metric to determine what you actually need. That's right, the whole right. point of having a free market. <laughs> so you can adjust for what the demand is. Like, right. oh, gosh. Alex, I wish people understood these things. I, I feel like a lot of people are just, they don't care to understand basics of economics especially when it comes to the people who believe in socialism like that is the first thing even the basics of base the basic 101 class would debunk socialism so that that's why it blows my mind because it's like anyone that thinks socialism is legit like you literally don't know anything about economics because you would know supply and demand would immediately debunk socialism and that is an econ 101 course. That is not. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Like, where are they getting their information from? Yeah, like, look at the Cubans in Miami. Yeah. They're all all Republicans, yeah. all Trump supporters, and they're like, um, yeah, we came from socialism. We're good. Right. Like, we don't want that. And then you have everybody like in the make believe world, like. Socialism's so great. Like and and the, like Alex said, you have people who actually come from it. Like, what is wrong with like? I, I don't what know. We should do. We should have a free trip. Anybody who wants to be. I was yep. just gonna say this. Free trip <laughs> yes. to Cuba, China, <laughs> Venezuela. Yeah. Go there for one month, and then you come back to the United States and tell us how you think. Dude, I'm down with starting a fund. Having Congress pass a bill to start a fund to ship people down for a week-long educational trip on <laughs> on communism and socialism because they're the same thing. One just wears lipstick. Oh, yeah. That's socialism. So, so yeah, I you know I was lucky enough uh, a few years ago when Cuba was open to go on the cruise with my wife to Cuba, 
and you know brought back a lot of memories of living in a third world country. Ooh, it, I don't... it was people, amazing people, but man, you yeah. looked around the, the living conditions and things like that, and it was and that was in the main city of Havana. Wow. So I all right. So then my question would be is this will be my last question, and then I'll be we'll wrap it up here in a bit. Since you've actually experienced what a third world country is like, what explain what an uh, average day looks like for somebody in a third world as far as gathering food or whether working for a certain wage, like pe- being able to afford your amenities. Like how did how did that all play out for someone in a less fortunate or what we're something that we're not used to here in America? I guess is what you would say. What would you say was the most things, the things that stood out to you the most that were a lot different than it would be for like a poor person here versus a third world person? Like, well, out of your experience. So here are some of the things that I, as a child, saw when I lived in uh, in Moldova. So one, if you went to a supermarket, which there were no supermarkets, there were all like little stores, right? You walked okay. in. Most of the shelves were empty. Grab what, what you could, you got whatever, and you know, nobody wow. by the way, I don't know if you this is a fun fact kind of thing, but when McDonald's was opening up in Russia, in Moscow for their first store, they had to train people to be polite because there nobody when you worked at a store, you didn't care. You talked to people however <laughs> because there was no customer service to worry about. Yeah, yeah. And so they had to go and train people to actually, you know, do well in customer service. But anyway, so you walk into the stores, you get whatever you, if you wanted to buy anything worthwhile outside of like maybe a shirt or something, if you want to buy furniture, any, any kind of items, right? You have to get on the list. What? You have to get on the list. This was a two, three year list. Get, yeah. No. Are you serious? Absolutely serious. And then if you were lucky, what? you see somebody to jump up on the list a little bit. You would, you know, wow. you're like so buying somebody's spot in line or something. Exactly. <laughs> now, here's what's even more interesting. If you wanted wow. to buy a vehicle, you would get in line again, a long line. And if you were lucky to get one of those great Russian built cars <laughs> broke down on you like five miles down the road, the government uh, would actually check where are you getting your money to buy a vehicle? Because that's not something that everybody really has should have money. Wow. Holy smokes. So then you couldn't really buy a car. So then what you have to do is if you had money, you couldn't buy a nice house. Like you lived in the regular apartment complex. And if you had a nice house, they would check where'd you get the money for that house. So unless you were, you know, somebody up in the Communist Party, then obviously everything was fine. They knew you were okay to have that. So then you would have to buy a car from secondhand, you know, owners, somebody who was selling it so it wouldn't be directly through the government when you were buying that new vehicle. Because everything, obviously, all the manufacturing was state-owned. So all those things you kind of had to finagle around to, you know, getting you know paying somebody to get something here doing something get it was all about you know who you know and everything else because otherwise you would never get anything wow wow that's crazy well sounds fun america (laughs) wow Uh, we're gonna have to wrap it up here but this was awesome 
And I want to do this again sometime. Yes, definitely. Don't stop. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was definitely a great time.